Rebbe explains why he made a surprise for Renyan, and how although it wasn't uh, announced, in fact, Rebbe announced that it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a Febrengen, but making a Febrengen isn't a, uh, the opposite of truth, because uh, we find also in prophecy that when a prophet gives a prophecy and then he changes for, for the better, then it's not considered that he's a false prophet, because it's always possible through Torah mitzvahs to increase in God's blessings in a similar way, Having a the Rebbe leader for bringing is obviously a good thing, and therefore, although it's not, it's not considered a something which is the opposite of truth. And in the first segment of the Rebbe of the Fabrengen, they basically explained the issues that people were having with the moon landing. There were people who were feeling that this is a contradiction to our prayers that we say in our prayers we can't touch the moon. And what we explained yesterday was that that's the opposite of the simple translation of the words of the prayer. We say in the prayer. In Kishavana, I'm standing here, and while I'm standing here, I cannot touch you. So it's not about not being able, the man cannot touch the moon. On the contrary, it's, it's, um, it's, it only means that while you're here standing, doing Kishavana, you're, and you're not able to reach the moon there. But it's obviously possible for a human being to reach the moon. And instead of this being something that should challenge our faith, Rebbe said it's something that tells us the greatness of Hashem even more, because... You could only um, see the greatness of Hashem from Hashem's creations, and seeing more of Hashem's creations, seeing the greatness of man that's able to reach the moon, um, tells us a lot about uh, Hashem. Tells a lot more about Hashem's greatness. Um, and also, I mentioned parenthetically, interesting point that the fact that people thought that this was impossible, now this became possible, that itself tells us how we shouldn't rely only on our logic in figuring things out. So. And we, we learned how the, um, the Baal Shem Tev taught that everything you see or hear is a message in serving God, and that's something we see in the Haftorah, how Yechezkel specifically was asked by the Jewish people, why are you doing what you're doing? And only after they, they asked him did he, did he tell them God's prophecy. And the reason why they needed to ask him was because they observed something. And whenever you observe something, Baal Shantav says, it's meant to tell you something in serving God, and therefore the Jewish people, when they saw something, they asked, and this may be the source of Baal Shantav's teaching, that whenever you see something, there's a message. So, in this specific event of, of the landing on the moon, it's not sufficient just to learn a general message, oh, mankind can do amazing things, mankind discovers greatest of Hashem even more, but they're now going to go into the details of this mission, and see many more, many more things we know in our lives from this uh, from this event, um, let's go to page one twenty. Oisiyut. Hamdum bleil is amore shechosh askarvus alvan akashim neisa shairo v'bashach malat neza. This event of man reaching close to the moon didn't actually land on the moon that that week. Uh, they just managed to orbit the moon. This also is connected to another event that happened recently. Someone asked a question: How is it possible? that a person eats a kezayis, he eats an ounce of a non-kosher food, and because of this he gets 38 lashes. Why mix into his personal life? And the person who was supposed to answer the question got confused, and he tried to dray out of the question, tried to excuse himself. Seva said parenthetically that we see over here the, the interviewer, or this, is on, this is on the radio, with uh, I think Rabbi Zalman Posner over show. Seva says we see the education of the one conducting the interview. The one who was asking the question got his education from a reform rabbi. And therefore he specifically said, how could you give him 38 lashes? 
It wasn't an accident then that he said 38 lashes. He emphasized again and again, 38 lashes, why 38 lashes? Now, it doesn't say 38 lashes in the Torah. The Talmud says, although the Torah says 40 lashes, the argument in the Talmud, whether you're supposed to get 40 or 39, but it doesn't say anywhere 38. And so, anyways, this guy obviously wasn't educated properly. But either way, his claim was, why mix in, why intervene in someone's personal life when he's eating something non-kosher and you're hitting him for eating non-kosher? If we were talking about something more generic, something that affected more people, then he would, um, something that could have hurt other people, so then, so then it would be easy to understand why you're intervening. But we're talking about eating, but you want to eat something non-kosher. It's your personal life. And yet, you take away from this person, um, no, I'm sorry, you take this person, an adult, and you whip him. 39 times. Why? It's opposite of freedom and opposite of democracy. So, so the Rabbi, Rabbi um, Posner responded, uh, and there were quotes it here, that the whole concept of whipping someone is very unusual. And Rabbi says, what he said it has a little bit of truth, because when do you whip someone? You only can whip someone if they were warned. That means you tell the guy, if you do this, you're going to get hit 39 times. And yet the guy ignores the, the, um, the warning, and he does this anyways. And not only does he have to um, be warned, he has to be warned in front of witnesses. It says in the Torah, Ha'id Eid, Rashi explains that whenever someone's warned, there has to be two witnesses there seeing the warning. And as though there are witnesses there, and they can say, they're telling him right now, if you eat this, you're going to be whipped. And he knows that the court can do this. He doesn't care, and he still does it anyways. And further, the gain of being whipped, um, sorry, the purpose of the warning, the, bene- the, the when does a warning in Torah have validity? Only the person transgresses a sin within the time that it takes to say the words, greetings unto you, my teacher, if he, if he does the sin immediately after that warning, then he is considered liable and culpable of the punishment of whipping, which... So there's three words or four words, Shalom Alecha Rabbi, Shalom Alecha Rabbi Moiri. If he does this sin within those three, the time that it takes to say those three words, and um, then, only and only then, is it possible for him to be given that, that, that punishment. So this guy, if he would wait three seconds, or less than three seconds, so it takes whatever, about three seconds, to eat that steak that he wanted to eat, um, uh, he, this guy, he knows possibly that he is going to be, um, he could have his cake and eat it, what's the language? Have your cake and eat it too. He's able to have the steak and not get whipped if he just waits another second. And yet he wants to eat so, this so badly because he's so gluttonous that he can't hold himself in. He want, and he eats it immediately within the time that it takes to, within his, within the Rega Kamemra. Rega Kamemra means the time that it takes to say the word Rega. Rega means a moment. So it says that a warning has to be given to a person before he does whatever he does within the time it takes to say the word Rega. So this guy wants it so badly that he doesn't care about being whipped. He knows there are witnesses standing there. They're going to go to the court. He's going to get punished. He's going to get a hit. And yet he does this anyways because he wants it so badly. So what kind of person does that? It's very rare. It, it doesn't happen often. It happens once in decades. As I said, it happens once in decades. If I, if I heard it correctly... I posed her at another point. The only person that would do this is someone insane. And if they're insane, you can't whip them anyways. But uh, the Rebbe says this answer is not sufficient. 
Because, yes, it's unusual. However, um, uh, one, top of 122. When this happens, though, the question is asked, how can you whip someone for eating non-kosher? Why are you mixing into his personal life? What, what, it's his personal space. And the answer is, based upon what Chassid says at length, based upon, which is based upon the teaching of the Mishnah, why did God create a man, a human being, Adam, to be alone? The reason why God created man alone as one person, without Eve, is in order that man and each of us should have the absolute certainty and conviction to know that the whole world was created for me. Everyone is obligated to say the whole world was created for my sake. So when a person does something, he shouldn't think this is just my personal thing that I'm doing. He has to know that the world, which means this physical world and all the worlds above it, the higher worlds and lower worlds, they're all created for his sake. So what he's going to do affects the whole world. So if this is an Avera, if this is something that goes against God's will, he is causing, if not destruction, but he's causing damage, God forbid, to the whole world. Not just this world, but all the spiritual world, worlds. And if it's a mitzvah, he's causing goodness to the whole world. As the Rambam gives a clear ruling, that a person has to always look at himself all year as if he sees the world hanging on a balance. Half the world, had, the, the, on the scale of merit, there's half, it's, on one side there is merits, on the other side there is the opposite of merits, and to perfectly balance. And so the one thing going to do right now affects the whole world. It could tip the world to the side of merit. It says in uh, Psalms, King David, David Amal says, Zmiris Your Torah, your words, your teachings, your laws, Hashem, are for me like songs. And Adam explains what did David HaMelech mean when he said that. He, David HaMelech was thinking about the fact, and deeply, he was thinking about how all the worlds, the higher worlds, the lower worlds, they all are, are negligible in comparison to one tiny detail of Torah. When a person does something slight, he says the right blessing, the right words for the blessing, there's a one extra, one word different. We were just talking about the bean soup. Is the bean soup hadama or is it shahakal? If you say the right word, you cause you elevate all the worlds, and all the worlds get get sustenance. Oh, God forbid, if you say the wrong word, then the wrong bracha has a the opposite. So that's what made King David very happy when he was being pursued by his enemies, realizing he's learning the Torah, and all the worlds is negligent, is negligible in comparison to the Torah. So when you feel this, that what you're doing is, when you know this, that your actions affect the entire world, so instead of the approach being, how can you mix in someone's life, the approach is completely different. If you know that when you do, do this specific sin, not only are you endangering your life, you're also endangering your family, the city, the country, and the world. And yet, despite the fact that you were warned by witnesses, you can't hold yourself in even for a second, and immediately you do the sin and cause damage to yourself and your family, to your city, to your country. It's not just a, a claim to kite, not just a, a, a something which is insignificant. This is the, you, the person who does this is the greatest, um, he's doing the greatest, tra- the greatest crime. We're not asking the says him to have a serious nefesh, to give his life. He could have a steak too. He could have a kosher steak for lunch. But he is stubborn and he wants to, to, to specifically eat something non-kosher. So it's not just opposite of Jewish law. It's the opposite of, 
of human decency that because he wants to eat this, he's going to damage the whole world. And so if, since this is true, not only is there no room to ask this question, why does he deserve to be whipped? The contrary, the question really is, why is he only whipped 39 times? He did the greatest crime against humanity. Um, my nephew, he was, um, he was went to a friend's house on Shabbos, and uh, his friend was watching television. And so, this, this is a real education. You know someone's educated well, the way he responded, unbelievable. His friends are watching television, watching a game, a sports game on Shabbos. So my friends like my, my nephew's like it's Shabbos. Why should we? Uh, why should we do this on Shabbos? Does he think you're so holy? What do you, what do you want to? Someone says you think you're so holy. You retort. You get back at them, right? You want to put them down. They put you down. Put them down. You know what he said? He didn't feel need to put other guy down. You know what he said? Unbelievable. He said, "You think you're not holy? You think you're not holy? You're you're holy." And that's the thing over here. The guy is eating the steak. What does he think? He thinks I'm not holy. It doesn't matter what I do. And that is telling him, are you, are you kidding? You know what you know what your decision is doing to the, to you and the whole world? You're a Jew. The whole world rests on your shoulders. So so till, till up to this point, this is something that it says in the books. Now that I'm going to bring this home and show there's not just something something says in the books, but something that the the, the um that the orbit around the moon gives us insight to. Oh, you should gimel. Up to this point, we're saying something that is said in holy books. But you can't compare this to actually seeing this happen. Then, when you see something actually happen, it's a whole different thing. So God helped that we're able to see something in the, in the mission to the, to the moon. What happened in this mission to the moon? They took three guys. They told them in advance that they have to totally um, ignore their own will, desires. They do whatever they're told. They have to eat when they're told. They have to uh, sleep when they're told. They have to even wear the shoes, only the shoes that they're told to wear. And they told them that everything that they're telling them to do, if they don't do it right, they're endangering a billion dollars. When they, when you hear about a billion dollars, so automatically there's respect, right? It's not your billion dollars, because you won't get anything from it. It belongs to Uncle Sam. But nevertheless, when you hear about a billion dollars, so then you will lose yourself, because you have a lot of respect for that. So, um, and yet, a per, and, and not only are you losing a billion dollars, but if you don't follow the instructions that, that the astronauts, if the astronauts do not follow instructions, not only are they endangering themselves, they're also endangering all those who are with them and all those who will take their place in the future. And they're endangering the entire purpose why they were sent. That th- this... Um, there was a lot of research involved in creating this mission, and if they won't be successful, um, there's a lot of lot of um, um, they're going to miss a lot of of, of um, um, a lot of data won't will be lost if they don't do their mission properly. And although he doesn't understand the astronaut doesn't understand why this specific thing is important and how it will cause damage to the mission, but since he heard this from an adult, someone who's 60 years old, who was involved in this for a long time. So he accepts his words, and he knows that this thing that he's doing could endanger the mission. And he, um, the guy doesn't say, the Rebbe says, hey, you know what, I'm one guy, there are two other guys here. I, um, they'll let them be the tzaddikim, let them follow the instructions, and I won't follow the instructions. The Rebbe says the guy doesn't say this because he knows 
that what he's going to do doesn't only affect himself, but also affects those who are with him. He doesn't say, oh, I'm just one astronaut, there's two others. He doesn't say, oh, I'm, I'm just going to do, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm just, I'm just a minority. So if this is true regarding the mission to the moon, the same is also true for sure regarding uh, Torah mitzvahs. Every single thing that a Jew does doesn't only affect himself and his family, but affects the whole city and the country and the whole world. So that's, the, that's another message we get from this mission to the moon, how every single detail of our lives has an impact on the entire world and how we have to consider the gravity of the weight of each thing that we think and say and do. Okay. Um, next segment of Fabrengen, it goes on in, in more detail and considering that the, this, this event happened after Chanukah. Um, when I look inside, do this together? I'll do this together. In, no? Outside? Or whatever you want. That's right. inside. Right. There are many categories of mitzvahs. Yesh mitzvahs pratiyas, the mitzvahs tzitzis, there are mitzvahs like tzitzis, a specific command word tzitzis. Then there are more general mitzvahs. There are mitzvahs which affect everything, everything, not just one specific thing. One of the commandments of the Torah, which is which is all-encompassing, is God's commandment, go from strength to strength. You have to go from strength to strength. You can't be satisfied where you, you were yesterday. This is a rule in all mitzvahs. You always have to be elevated. You always have to go higher. You cannot be satisfied where you were before. This is also highlighted in the midst of lighting the menorah. What does the Torah say, the Gemara say about lighting the menorah? On the first day of Hanukkah, you must light one candle. On every day, uh, you must add a candle. That's the best way of lighting the menorah. So if in the following days of Hanukkah you don't add a candle, you light the same amount of candles as before, not only are you not being elevated, but you're falling. You're falling. In other words, yesterday this was considered the best. This was considered number one. Today it's not number one. Doing the same thing today that you did yesterday is not number one anymore. A person may ask, you see where we are? The third paragraph of Yesterday, I was doing the most beautiful way the mitzvah could be done by lighting two candles. So how come if I do the same thing today, it's not considered the best of the best? But my and the answer is, because the Jew has to always be elevated in his spirituality. This is one of the things we need to learn from the Hanukkah candles, among other things. And so to every mitzvah, every mitzvah has something that, needs that, that it's meant to teach us in general in our lives. So the Hanukkah candles are telling us, don't be satisfied where you were. Yesterday, you have to go higher. But that itself, that itself could be, a person could ask on that. Who says I should grow every day spiritually? Why am I supposed to grow? You're telling me you can't be satisfied because you're supposed to grow. One second. Where does that come from? Why am I supposed to grow? The very, very. Um, I heard this following idea a few times. I never got it until today. Listen to this. Abir, his explanation is, 
Since the physical world, the corporality of the world, is growing every day, both the, the, the body grows, and the physicality and the corporality of the world grows. So if the physical side of the world is always growing, there also has to be, to counter that, there has to be growth spiritually as well. If the world is growing physically, and not just physically, we'll see in a second, never talking with the, about the, the world in a way is advancing towards darkness. As Gemara says, there's no day that's not as dark as, that is only as dark as the day before. Every day there's increasing darkness. Till Mashiach comes. So if there's increasing darkness, why is Gemara telling us this? The Gemara says, about the opposite of blessing, right before Mashiach comes, that every day the darkness is greater, greater than the day before. Why is this told to us in the Torah? Why do we need to know that? Next page, Torah is about instruction. Telling us that there's more darkness today than there was yesterday, what message is there from there? That, 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 that just makes us feel bad. Just the bad news. Knowing that that the second day is going to be worse than the first day. What is the purpose of telling that to us? The answer is, The Torah is intent in telling us that there's more darkness today than there was yesterday. It's in order that we should know that we have to add in the side of holiness. Since there's going to be more opposition, and therefore we have to add more. We move on. So when you're not adding, not only are you not going higher, but the contrary, you're going lower because you can't stay in the same place because there's something more going on the other side. So someone put it to me this way. He said, if you want your children to be as religious as you are, you have to be more religious than your parents. Why? Because every generation is more darkness. So, so there's naturally going to be a decline, God forbid. So if you want, so, so if you want your children to take a, a chip off the old block, literally, only a chip from you, and continue, so you have to be, and you want them to be the same as you, if you, if you're more religious than their parents, because they're going to, they're going to take a section of that. Okay. It's about the, about the simu, a simulation also. You know, when somebody married no Jew, there's a decline, let's For sure. Yeah. So we see this idea about, about constant elevation and the need, the need to go higher from the events, the details of the events of the moon land, of the, of the mission to the moon. Next section. You see this also from the mission to, the, to, the, um, to orbit the moon. One of the most difficult things in reaching the orbiting the moon was to ensure that the spacecraft and everything inside it should be completely clear from bacteria. To sterilize the, the, the uh, spacecraft so it should be completely clear from bacteria. Although, until they reached the moon, the bacteria did not cause damage to their health. So if they weren't healthy, it wouldn't send them. So they were, they were okay. But you can't know what the effect on the bacteria will be when they go to a new place. The conditions in the spacecraft um, 
are completely different when it's in or, when it's when it's flying than when it's on the ground. We only know some details. We don't know all the details that are going to change when they reach there. It's possible that the new place they're going to reach is not able to handle that bacteria and can cause damage to that new place and damage also the people in that place. Because it could be the reason why it didn't cause damage till now is because there was... Um, because there's 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 a, a good bacteria, or there's there's a there's a better there's a good atmosphere here, which prevents the the bacteria having an adverse effect. But because of the change in the new place, it's possible that there won't be a sufficient strength on the good side that there is now to overcome the new situation. And therefore, you have to be more careful, and you have to be do as, as much as much as you can. You can't reckon with how hard it may be about how expensive it may be, etc., etc., because you don't know what the effect is of the, the, the negative bacteria here, where it's going to go. So the Rebbe says, we see from this, and when the situation changes, you need to elevate yourself inside of good. You can't be satisfied with the good you had till now, because it's not enough for the new circumstances that you find yourself. And so too, since Hashem tells us to go from strength to strength, and there's always changes, and you change, and your family changes, and the world changes, so it's possible that the amount of holiness you had until this point is not enough now in order to overcome the, the other side. And therefore you have to always add higher and higher to have more strength because, um, because you don't know, you don't know what, you're contending with new, with new um, challenges. And so the amount of divine energy you had until this point isn't necessarily sufficient for the new challenges and new circumstances. Just like the, the, the bacteria was, wasn't causing anybody problems in, on Earth. But when you orbit the moon, who knows what going, that's going to do to the bacteria. Similarly, when, we, when the world changes and there's, a, there's new, new negative things that are happening, you don't know um, how that affects you and your family, and etc. And therefore, you always have to add in goodness because the um, goodness that was sufficient now for you to, be, to maintain your spiritual equilibrium may not be enough for the changes now in the world. Therefore, there always is a need to continuously add and in good. So that answers a question the Rebbe said. We said that we, we have to always grow in spirituality. Why do we grow in spirituality? One of the reasons is because there's more darkness every day, as Gemara says, before Mashiach comes. And therefore, to add also in, uh, in light and learn from the Hanukkah Menorah and say, no, yes, it was perfect to do two candles yesterday, but today it's not perfect because today there's more darkness, close to the time of Mashiach, and therefore there's need for more light. All right.